Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Hello and welcome in to The Edge for this Tuesday evening. We are live on TSN 1050 in Toronto, streaming worldwide, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast as we have episodes coming to you every Tuesday and Friday evening. Yes, I am Aaron Korolnik, and I was in a great mood until about the second half of last night's Monday night football game. Of course, Drew Brees, the ancient Drew Brees, who looked like he was cooked in the first half, storming back for his second largest comeback in his career and beating the Chargers, who for the last two weeks... And Al's brother, I'm very, very angry, as I'm sure you can hear in my voice. The last two weeks I've had the Chargers money line, and it's looked great. But Brady in the second half comes out and throws five touchdowns. Breeze in the second half comes out last night and throws four touchdowns. My money line wagers over, and you have an aggravated radio host here on the edge. Can you commiserate with me, Al's brother? Yeah, I think that's what they call a bad beat in uh, yes. in the betting world. Definitely, I I thought I, I was with you. I thought for sure, like the Chargers, they're a pretty solid team, and I think Justin Herbert's really cooking right now. But Drew Brees, I don't know what happened to him at halftime, but he really got it going in the second half. And obviously, that missed kick by Badgley didn't help either. There mm-hmm. as the seconds ticked off to end regulation. Well, tonight is another opportunity for success, whether it be fantasy football. And I know you and the Grappler, who, of course, joins us every Friday for the Pound the Table Picks of the Week, have a very close matchup in fantasy. A couple wide receivers going head-to-head. We'll get to that a little bit later, Alsbro, but for now... It's time to win. Grab a pen, a pad, and mark my words. Mark my words that tonight on Tuesday Night Football, that's right, Tuesday Night Football, history will be made. And you may be wondering, why is there a Tuesday Night Football? How rare is a Tuesday Night NFL game? Well, it's just the second since 1946, and we know that last week's game for the Titans against the Steelers was postponed. Tonight's game against the Bills was in jeopardy due to all the COVID tests, the positive COVID tests with the team, but... They all tested negative yesterday, they tested negative today, and the game is on, just about to kick off. The Bills 4-0, the Titans are 3-0, and the Bills are 3.5-point favorites with Josh Allen on center stage tonight. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, just one interception, averaging 331 passing yards per game. I can't wait for this game, Alsbro. I think it's going to be an awesome tilt between two undefeated squads. Where is your money lying tonight between the Bills and the Titans? My money, I'm, I got to keep going with the Bills. They've done me well so far. And uh, at three and a half, you just got to take a look at how rusty you got to assume that the Tennessee yeah. Titans are going to be, right? They had they didn't play at all last week. They haven't been able to get into their building. They just got into the building, what, on Saturday? So that mm-hmm. gives them just a couple of days to, to really get going and practice. I know they did have some Zoom conferences and meetings and stuff, but it's not the real deal. And the Buffalo Bills are the real deal. So, you know, I find it really, really tough for, for Tennessee to come out tonight. Buffalo's a solid, solid squad. Uh, there are some key injuries on both sides of the ball, though, that could make this line interesting at three and a half. I assume you're mentioning, like, when you say key injuries, Tredavious White, the star corner for the Bills, is out. Your boy, Matt Milano, who I know you're a big fan of at linebacker, also out. So the Bills not at 
full capacity on the defensive side. And I know John Brown also out for the Bills, and Tennessee's getting A.J. Brown back, their number one wideout, who I think could have a big night. And you look at his receiving yard total of 55.5 yards. I wonder if it's the overs for Tannehill and for Brown that we should be targeting, considering the weakened Buffalo Bills defense. I think that'd be a pretty good bet. Like Without Tredavious White, I think that that leaves the secondary open a little bit for, for those guys. And even in, in the run game, like Matt Milano's a solid run defender, and he's also really good in, in the secondary as a, a linebacker. You know, Johnny Smith might be able to have a pretty good night himself as well at the tight end position. We're going to ask Davis Sanchez, TSN Edge lead analyst, when he joins us in about six minutes' time about how the Titans can proceed and be prepared with just two practices in 16 days. So many of their players afflicted by coronavirus. We don't know the asymptomatic versus symptomatic, how they're going to be affected as far as their as, as their ability to play and their, the shape they're going to be in. So there's a lot of unknowns with this game. Two undefeated teams, and it's a game I cannot wait to see tonight. Looking ahead to Week 6, a matchup of MVP candidates, including Josh Allen, Another all-time great QB matchup with Brady versus Rodgers. And a surprising matchup between the 4-1 and Browns and the 4-0 and Steelers. That and much more with Davis Sanchez when he joins us next on The Edge. Word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. Half man, half amazing. On The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. And we are back here on The Edge, live on TSN 1050. We're streaming online, tsn1050.ca. A live score update. A.J. Brown touchdown for the Tennessee Titans. And if you heard my conversation with Al's brother in the first segment, I called the over of 55.5 receiving yards for Mr. Brown. But I guess we'll have to see what this whole game entails because we know the Titans have had just two practices in the last 16 games. And last 16 days, I should say, you wonder if perhaps their conditioning might be a problem in the second half, and that could be something we bet on. And in that vein, we bring in Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge. What's up, Chaz? How are you? <laughs> what's up? I'll, I'll tell you what's up, AK. Is uh, listening, to the, listening to Al's brother a few minutes ago. He said he's on the build, so uh, they're down <laughs> 7 nothing. So right now, Al's already stuck his ass, and there's only five minutes into the game. <laughs> I, I, I will I will say, Davis, that I watch Al's brother talk to you on the phone, and it sounds like you guys are getting pretty chummy, so I'm, I'm a little bit jealous, but hopefully you and I can build up our relationship uh, as we continue on the air here, and Al's brother, you, you and Al's brother can build it up off the air. I will say that yeah, well, we're following the Bills and the Titans. Okay, well, before we go into football, can I just peel the curtain back on the conversation Please. real fast? It's really worthwhile, okay? Uh, Absolutely. The promo, the promo for the for the Overdrive podcast that was just on uh, when when the caller called O Dog Mike O'Neill. I mean, I just I, had to say, did you hear that? <laughs> I think that was Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Blue Chase, oh, who called him Mike O'Neill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. And so just, I just want to say, can you guys find out for me from O Dog from Mike O'Neill next time you speak to him, somebody if he uh, okayed the picture on the website. Uh, his profile pic on tsn.ca because I don't know if he's trying to be sexy or mean mugging the camera. I'm not sure if if exactly um, who greenlit that picture or if it was the photographer asking him to make that look or what it is. But 
I just wanted to ask him. I haven't seen him in a while, so if one of you guys runs into him, please ask him what look he's going for. Is it is it mad? Is it sexy? I'm not quite sure, but I'd like to hear from him. Mike O'Neill, a big fan of of Zoolander, is my understanding. I think that's the look he was he was going with. All right, Chaz, I got to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys, but it's my understanding on Pump the Brakes this week, TSN Edge. You're not that concerned. Maybe you're, you're, you're certainly concerned about the drop-off from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton, but you're not writing off the Dallas Cowboys. Am I correct in my assertion there? You're correct, AK. Think of this. When you look at Andy Dalton, he may be the best backup in the league. He's arguably the best backup in the league for certain. And so, And then look at his time in Cincinnati with way less talent. He took the Bengals to the playoffs five times. I mean... With this talent and the NFC least, you got to think that, okay, are, are they Super Bowl contenders? I don't think so, but I, I think, and the pump the break segment was people that think their season's a wrap. Andy Dalton's a, a pretty good quarterback. I think he leads them to, or he can lead them to the playoffs. I just, you know, the point is his the ceiling for Andy Dalton isn't the same ceiling as Dak Prescott. So, you know, can he... Uh, get through the NFC, I doubt it. And can he win in the Super Bowl against whoever comes out of the AFC, which is you know going to be likely the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I doubt that. So that's where it goes with that. Their season's not over. The, the Dallas Cowboys have talent, and they have a pretty good quarterback. So uh, it's not over for them. I, I have, Davis, heard the whole narrative about Andy Dalton's ability to lead the Bengals into the playoffs, and that's all That's all true. And I believe he has it. You're not I, I, oh, I'm not buying it at all. I think Andy Dalton's a terrible quarterback. I think Danny Dalton's like pretty much finished. And I think you look at his last two years in Cincinnati before he joined the Cowboys, he was terrible. In his last year in Cincinnati, he was 2-11. and 11. I think he had a 16 to... How was their talent he had on No, no you're, and you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The talent, the talent in Dallas is vastly superior. The offensive line, the defense... Uh, I'm not so sure. I think it's a, it's pretty much a wash. It, it's yeah. probably a wash. The game I want I've, I've been so eager to speak to you about is Dallas hosting Arizona this week. And prior to Dak going out, Dallas was a three point favorite. And then Dak snaps his ankle. He's done for the year. Makes Arizona a two and a half point favorite. Do you think that line movement is justified? And as far as your early lean for Week Six on that game in particular, which side are you leaning towards? Uh, the line movement is is justified. What is, what is a quarterback getting? They say a field goal. That's that's about five points right there. That the yeah, that but the five five and a half points. Five and a half points. Yeah, that might be a bit much for if if my theory is correct, and I think in Dalton is is serviceable, then that seems like a bit of a, a jump, but. Uh, you know what? What we've seen, and I, what what we've seen on film, and what we're hearing about, uh, it's more about Arizona than it is about Dallas to, to me, and and the concerns I have for that offense. People are seeming to get defensive coordinators are seeming to get a beat on Cliff Kingsbury and and what he's doing with that offense. It's so much that that quick passing game, the you know wide receiver screens, quick slants, quick hitches, just basically. Um, run plays out of out of pass formations, just getting the ball in the playmakers' hands. And if you take that away, now it it's, it's, looks like they're having a tough time adjusting to that. So what may have worked, uh, what may have worked in college for Cliff Kingsbury, uh, is not necessarily working in the NFL. It seems like so he's going to have to adjust. I have more concerns with. I think I know what the Cowboys are going to be and who they're going to be. There's going to be less of the 
dropping back 40 times and throwing the ball, and, and you got to lean a bit more on Zeke. I think Andy Dalton, if, with play action and simple reads and throws, I think Dalton is serviceable. And I just expect a different type of Cowboys team. But I, I'll be more concerned with, with the Arizona offense and if teams continue to get a beat on what they're doing that could prove to be a uh, issue for a team that a lot of people, I think maybe yourself as well, that thought pretty highly of entering the season in Arizona. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. I, I loved what I saw from Arizona the first two weeks. They looked awesome. I was hailing Kyler Murray as an MVP candidate. Then two weeks, they played terribly for two weeks. Then last week, they smashed the Jets. So I'm not really sure what to make of the Cardinals. One thing I do know is that they... Will be, this game will be their third consecutive game on the road, so I don't love that spot, especially on Monday night. It's a long way. That's a long no time lead. away from home. I yeah, no right. on that, that game at all. Not, not all right. Point. Well, we can discuss it later. I'm sure we'll, there'll be many conversations between you and I over the next couple of days uh, looking at that game. Another game I want to discuss. Davis Sanchez, the lead analyst for TSN Edge, who joins us here on The Edge, is the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland 4-1, and one, Pittsburgh 4-0. and oh. These, That's unprecedented starts for both of those franchises, and the Browns lead the NFL in rushing yards per game. The Steelers rank second in rushing yards per game allowed, and the Browns are four-point dogs in Pittsburgh. What was your reaction when you saw that number, Mr. Sanchez? It's too high. This, this should be. This game should be a pick'em. I mean, it's or, or maybe be, because of home field uh, and no 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 fans home field. It might be a maybe two or uh, if it was real fans, it might be three and a half. But to have a five point line with two teams, I think are pretty even is a big number. I've already locked in Cleveland in this. I like this for early lean. It, it'll it'll be a play of mine this week, and and it's the big reason is. Kevin Stefanski and what they're doing offensively, is there a team that's more well-balanced than they are offensively? Like They, they run the ball, um, their play-action game. Now, they haven't been uh, great in the past game, but they can be. And that might sound silly to say that every team can be, but they have the weapons to do it. And when you run the ball like they run it, you're going to have to eventually uh, sell out to the box. And when you have those guys outside – they're tough to stop. So the formula that Cleveland plays with and has, and more importantly than plays with, has the, the talent to, and the personnel to play that style is tough to handle. And in Pittsburgh, I like, I like what they do. We saw last week. But there's holes in that defense. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a risk-reward defense. They blitz more than anybody else in the NFL. They're, yes, they get pressure on the quarterback, but there's guys running free a lot. So – uh, you know, I think that's a, that line is way too big. I think what we saw from the Steelers last week, there's a little bit of an overreaction to that. I think they're a good team, but that's a that's a way too big number for a division a divisional game in a in a in a stadium that's not going to be jam packed. I don't know what the rules are in Pittsburgh right now, but it's not going to be packed. That's for certain. Uh, that number is way inflated. Uh, Big Ben Roethlisberger Davis, twenty-two, two and one in his career against the Browns. How about that number? That's, that, that's, I don't know. If it, I don't think that means anything. But I'm just—that's yeah, just a remarkable. Mean, no, it means something. It means that the Steelers have been good for the last ten years, and the Browns have been terrible. That's that's what it means. But uh, to your point, I don't know what it means for right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a it's a new year, it's a new team, and you look going back to last year, the Browns beat the Steelers, but that was the infamous 
Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett game. By the way, I think Mason Rudolph's dating Jeannie Bouchard. I saw that somewhere on TMZ. Unrelated, but I... <laughs> Yeah, you should have seen Al's. You should have seen Al's brother's eyes pop out of his head when I said that. But that I believe is a true thing. So not only do you get great gambling advice here on the edge, you also get the latest gossip with celebrities. So Al's, Al's so, brother's got a thing for Mason Rudolph. He's upset now. <laughs> yeah, just keep the helmets away from Mason Rudolph's head, and uh, Al's brother is good to go. go. Davis, thank you very much for joining us. Always love having you a part of the show, and we look forward to all your great work on TSN Edge throughout the week, my man. Yeah, if I see Al's brother digging through my recycling bin tonight, I'll know why. Go Bills. (laughs) All right, that is Davis Sanchez, the new adversary for Al's brother. Initially, it was Mike Johnson, TSN hockey analyst, but now Davis Sanchez, Lead analyst for TSN Edge. So much fantasy stuff to get into with John Daigle from Roto World, who joined us last week and got incredible reaction from our audience via text and via Twitter. So we had to bring him back for more analysis and advice. John Daigle joins us next. We are back here on the edge on TSN 1050, and we're following the Bills and the Titans. Now 7-7, yet another passing touchdown for Josh Allen. Isaiah McKenzie on the receiving end. I don't imagine Isaiah McKenzie were in many fantasy lineups, but if there's anyone on earth who would have rostered and started Isaiah McKenzie, it would be our next guest. He is one of the top experts in fantasy from Roto World NBC Sports. His name is John Daigle, and he makes his return to the edge. What's up, John? How are you? Great, great. Glad to already be back with you. I know. I, I Man, it was, it was six days. I missed you. I needed some more of your insight because you <laughs> gave us so much great stuff last week, and our audience were huge fans of yours, as am I. I read your waiver wire column every week, including the one that was posted today. And I want to start with Justin Jackson. He looked pretty good yesterday for the Chargers. A lot of people, including myself, thought it was going to be Joshua Kelly who would get the reins with Austin Eckler out for the next four, maybe six weeks. What do you think of Jackson's potential going forward until Eckler returns? First of all, also a big fan, I take annual hiking trips to Canada, so I'll be more than welcome to join you and the fans anytime you need to. But (laughs) as for Justin Jackson, he was actually surprisingly used exactly like Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler in his three healthy games with Joshua Kelly, for example, was the receiving game back, right? He ran 61% of his routes on Justin Herbert's dropbacks as the preferred targeted option. And that's exactly what happened last night with Justin Jackson, who got six targets to Kelly's one and outcarried Kelly, actually. So it's, it's actually much better than we thought when we were targeting Justin Jackson last week. We were targeting him just in case he was going to be used as the 1A option, and that's exactly what happened. So moving forward, you actually have to rank Jackson over Kelly each and every week. Ooh, I don't like that. I have Kelly. It's my guy. All right. Well, I'm going to make that change right now. Yes. Yes. Well, no, I, I listen to what you say as gospel, John, because you are the man at NBC Sports and Roto World, and you take time to join us here on The Edge. I need to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys quarterback situation. We know Dak Prescott, he's done for the year. If you're an owner who has Dak as their quarterback, who's been amazing this year, Are you looking at Andy Dalton as a legitimate replacement for Dak going forward? I am. Now, I say that with a bunch of 
rules mixed in because in a normal one quarterback, 10 team, 12 team league where there are numerous starting options weekly, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, for example, who's been a QB one the past four weeks, like Gardner Minshew, who's thrown for 300 yards and or three touchdowns in every game he's played with GJ Shark this year, or even like Kirk Cousins, who has a great matchup against the Falcons this week, then I'm not spending too much of my free agency budget on Andy Dalton since we know we can replace that onesie position easily weekly. However, it's a great matchup against the Cardinals this week, first of all, because they're now missing all pro Chandler Jones pass rusher who tore his biceps this past week. So we're not scared of that matchup. And there's actually a lot of reason to believe in the Cowboys offense still moving forward. Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore both came out and said the game plan won't change. They still know their defense, honestly. They know how poor the defense is played. And so they know they have to keep their foot on the gas and attack, even though it's no longer Dak under center. And now they get not only that Cardinals defense we're not scared of, but also CeeDee Lamb against Mike Hilton eventually whenever they reach this tough Pittsburgh matchup. The Cowboys still have to play Washington twice, and Washington's defense, by the way, has allowed the most 20- and 40-plus-yard plays through the air this year, just not stopping the passing attack of anyone whatsoever. Um, we are scared, of course, of the Ravens matchup later on down the road, but even the Eagles aren't, haven't been a formidable defense or opponent for teams this year. So I actually think there is reason to believe and keep the faith in your Cowboys' options moving forward all right there you go that's an interesting perspective it's interesting that i said maybe 10 50 minutes ago that andy dalton was washed and uh, you should be betting against the cowboys every week and their wide receivers zeke might be affected by that but you know you know slightly more than i do just slightly more than i do about the fantasy aspect of the sport i need to ask you about chase claypool we're huge fans of him north of the border for obvious reasons he's a canadian and on sunday he was unbelievable three receiving touchdowns one on the ground but I'm curious, because Deontay Johnson missed much of that game, how legit he is going forward as a wideout for fantasy purposes. I think best-case scenario, which is surprising to say, since Claypool just put up one of the more spectacular performances on film all year long, is that Claypool is a wide receiver, too. Because remember, through the first two games, Deontay Johnson, although he trailed Juju Smith-Schuster in fantasy points per game, it was Deontay who actually had a team-high 31% target share in that span. So what we all thought would happen was Deontay comes back healthy, he still is the more targeted option, and that's the target we were buying low in that offense. But now with Chase Claypool's emergence, it's funny because they have to keep him involved. They have now seen what he can do the past two games on 73% of their snaps with 15 targets. And yes, that only happened in those two games because Deontay left both of those contests injured, but he, Chase Claypool is clearly too much of a talent to move back to your bench. So I think he made a name for himself, and he earned a role in this offense. The issue is James Washington is still running 28 routes per game. So it's sort of tough to pin the usage of only three guys when they're still using James Washington as well, when they're still using Eric Ebron as well, when they still have James Conner involved in the passing game. So I think we need to temper our expectations. Having said that, if you have the number one overall waiver spot, Chase Claypool is clearly an elite talent. You cannot find talent like that on your waivers, especially at this point of the year. So he's someone I'm still buying and hoping that role sorts itself out eventually. You would rather have Claypool than Justin Jackson for the rest of the year as far as your waiver priority goes? I would, yes. Uh, also because Justin Jackson, remember, this role goes away if and when Austin Eckler comes back. And mm -hmm. although they, initially they thought if he was out for the year, it sounds like it's four or six weeks. 
So I would rather have, let's say, Claypool in Week 11 for the championship run rather than Justin Jackson. He is John Daigle from NBC Sports and Roto World, our guest here on The Edge. And I need to ask you about Christian McCaffrey because he's probably nearing a return in the next couple of weeks. He was the unquestioned best player in fantasy football last year. But Mike Davis has been really impressive. And the Panthers were 0-2 with McCaffrey, a running back. And now they're 3-0 and with Mike Davis. How concerned, if at all, should McCaffrey owners be about how many touches? It sounds absurd because McCaffrey was so good last year, but Davis has been awesome, and the Panthers have been winning. Is there any concern at all on your side for McCaffrey's status going forward? It's a double-edged sword because when McCaffrey comes back, you're not concerned about his workload whatsoever. They already paid him the most annually among all running backs in the league. They are not benching him for Mike Davis, who's on a one-year deal and only do $3 million because the past regime gave him that contract last year. However, Mike Davis' performance has now allowed the organization to take their time in reevaluating McCaffrey. So they're going to go back to the trainer's table and the drawing board, check out McCaffrey's ankle once more, and now they can afford, having won these games with Mike Davis, they can afford to keep McCaffrey on the sideline until he's 110% rather than 70%. And that's what's concerning because he could miss another, you know, one or two games and allow Mike Davis to run free. So until that time, Mike Davis is RB1. But when McCaffrey comes back, he is the clear-cut RB1. There's no doubt in my mind Mike Davis will return to getting only three snaps per game. John, you are guest one here on The Edge. We always appreciate you taking the time for us. Love having you as part of our show. And enjoy the rest of Titans and Bills, my friend. Absolutely. Good luck to everyone out there. All right, that is John Daigle from NBC Sports and Roto World. Great information. And, man, he's making me doubt my Andy Dalton hot take, but I'm sticking to it. I'm not sure that Andy Dalton will be productive at all as quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And that Chandler Jones injury for the Arizona Cardinals looking ahead to Monday night is a little bit problematic for my hot take, but I'm sticking to it. And we're sticking to the quality content with Doug Kazarian, the host of Daily Wager on ESPN. He's one of ESPN's top sports gambling analysts, and he's going to make his debut here on the program. All right, we got to hit the post. That's what we do here on radio, and our technical producer, Al's brother, looking at me side-eyed, like, what are you doing, Aaron? Like, why are you waiting? Why aren't you talking? It's because I want this to sound seamless. For our next guest, a man who I am a huge fan of. He is an ESPN sports betting analyst. He's the host of the Behind the Bets podcast, the host of the Daily Wager on ESPN2, and he joins us here on The Edge. He is Doug Kazarian. What's going on, Doug? How are you? Good to be with you. Thanks for having me, man. I'm doing well. We got Tuesday night football in the NFL. It's first time since 2010, so we're all uh, we're all happy. We got we got our NFL this week. Yes, sir. And that was the Joe Webb game. I don't know how big of a fantasy guy yeah. you are, Doug, but Joe Webb was eligible at quarterback and wide receiver that night for the Minnesota Vikings. I remember having him on my team. He was okay. He didn't blow expectations out of the water, but. That's a momentous occasion in fantasy football history. A starting quarterback eligible wide receiver 
Western. And that goes the depths of my degeneracy. So it's no surprise I'm hosting a fantasy and gambling show here on Toronto. So <laughs> now you finally understand uh, the play. I, I know you're uh, you're with me on that, uh, Doug, because you're a man of many talents as far as the gambling industry goes. You've done an amazing job of making uh, your way in the industry. You're a, you're a trailblazer, man. You're a pioneer in many respects. And that's why I want to get your opinion on this. The impact on the point spread when someone like Dak Prescott goes out is what? Can you explain this to me? So it's a good question, and it's, it's, I'd love to answer it in a very simple way. It's just not that easy because, as you very well know, there's what we call key numbers in the NFL. So, you know, for example, a move from three to three and a half is more significant than like a move from eight to nine and a half, even though you're thinking one and a half versus a half, but it doesn't work like that. It's, it's the significance of the numbers. So in this case, the line moved from last week to this week, the look-ahead line from three to three, but, you know, a lot of it's also – it's not in a vacuum. It's not just the quarterback change. So – and so much of this discussion also revolves around, you know, who the backup quarterback. If it was like you or I playing backup, then it would be a drastic measure. So the fact that Andy Dalton's a capable backup, more than a capable backup, I mean, he's won a division, he's gone to the playoffs, he's not that far removed – from some of his best play. So that's things we have to keep in mind and remind ourselves. So it's, it's the issue right now with the Cowboys and to win this, to win the NFC East is that it's more the defense than it is the quarterback play. Are they better with Dak Prescott? Of course they are. But the drop-off is not really their glaring weakness. It's really the defense. So they are still favored to win the NFC East in the futures market. And the point spread, they are now two-and-a-half-point underdogs to Arizona, whereas they would have probably been like two-and-a-half, point favorites or three-point favorites with Dak. Yeah, that game's going to be extremely interesting on Monday. Now, you're talking about an Arizona team without Chandler Jones. They're all pro on the defensive side of the ball. It's the third straight road game in a row for the Cardinals after beating the Jets last week. And Dallas with Dalton, I mean, I'm very curious. That's a game I cannot wait to see. Another game I can't wait to see is the Bucks and the Green Bay Packers. It's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers meeting for the third time as starting quarterbacks on Sunday. The Packers are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Tampa, a line which surprised me a little bit. What was your inclination when you saw that line come out, Doug? Well, I think the key part is the injuries, right? So the injuries have certainly plagued Tampa. No O.J. Howard, no Godwin, um, potentially. Um, And then just the fact that the... Packers have been just crushing teams and just been just all world. So while Eric, you know, for for context, Rodgers began the season as a twenty-five to one long shot to win the MVP. Now he's about five to one, four to one. So the fact that he's in the conversation right now just speaks volumes of like how far this Packers team has come. The team that went thirteen and three last year in the regular season. I mean, this is like a really good team, and so we're you know at least perception wise. So they're trying to offset that, but there is such a backing of the uh, Brady and company that it is a fascinating line that you have a road team. But, you know, there's uh, they've been some key injuries on the defensive front for the Bucks, and that's significant. He is Doug Kazarian, ESPN sports betting analyst. He's the host of the Behind the Bets podcast, our guest here on The Edge. And I'm glad you mentioned the NFL MVP odds. I'm looking at them currently. Russell Wilson is even money, which... I mean, I understand he's never gotten an MVP vote, but that's that narrative comes on a little bit strong for me. Rodgers around plus 400, plus 450. Mahomes at plus 600, and Josh Allen at plus 1,200. Of course, we know that Josh Allen in action currently, but if you were to bet on one of those four individuals, for me it's Josh Allen. 
his numbers have been exceptional. The Bills could be 5-0 and after tonight. I think there could still be some value there, Doug. Maybe. Uh, the one-way betting markets are tough because you're really never going to get true value. So whenever there's those kind of things, you really have to look for the opportunities. And, I mean, I think Russell Wilson is going to win it, right? He's going to have to make big plays. He's going to have to put up stats. It's almost always a one or a two seed in the quarterback. So do you really think the Bills are going to be the one or the two seed in the AFC? Seems I, a little I unlikely. Like, I just think some of yeah, and on top of that, I think just some of his stats and everything, some of his his strong play is going to run out. So I am not as big on Allen in terms of the MVP and to have those kind of odds. I just think you're you're kind of drawing dead to borrow a poker term. I think for me, if I had to, it would be Russell Wilson, but I wouldn't want to because of the odds at this point. So let's talk about the NBA championship odds for 2021. Of course, the Lakers were crowned champions just a couple of nights ago. I know you're an L.A. native, Doug. Are you a Lakers fan? I am. I'm a big, oh. big Lakers fan. All right. So I'm sure you know, you're still celebrating like LeBron with a couple of cigars post-game. The championship odds favor the Lakers. They are the top. Uh, I guess they're, they're plus 375, while the Clippers are plus 425, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Golden State Warriors, and the Brooklyn Nets come in at 4-5. and five. When you're looking at the odds for the NBA title in 2021, and we don't know when the season will begin, where it will be played, or anything, do you see any value on the board just from the early outset at this point? Again, it goes back to what I was talking about in terms of trying to find one-way betting market, index betting value, and it's just really difficult. Um, because the books aren't in the business. But I think a couple, couple minds jump out, a couple numbers. The Heat at 15-1, to 1, this was not a you know, fluke that they went this far. Obviously, Eric Spolster showed his, his skill set and his, his ability to coach, and then Bam Adebayo is only getting better. Tyler Hero is only getting better. Those guys are really here to stay, and we'll see about Jimmy Butler, right? So they have a lot of money under the cap. They could make a move for Giannis if Giannis tells the Bucks he doesn't want to stay there any longer. So they are here to stay. Now, the, the East gets tougher with Kevin Durant, and the Nets are about 8.5 to 1, eight plus 8.50. So that's intriguing to me. And I think the Sixers are just interesting to note, the fact that they are 30 to 1, and last year they were 9 to 1 entering the season. And not much has changed. They have Doc Rivers now instead of Brett Brown. But it just goes to show you, I mean, obviously, like I said, the Heat are better perceived. The Celtics figure to get better. The Nets are better with, with Kevin Durant in the East. But still, 30 to 1 from 9 to 1 just because people are – downplaying i think that's interesting was noteworthy yeah and a new coach there and Embiid and ben simmons remain at least to this point we'll see what shakes out with their roster i'm disappointed you never mentioned the raptors doug no not giving any love to us here <laughs> north of the border it's okay I, I understand there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty with the raptors i mean we don't know what the status is of fred van vliet and serge Ibaka and marcus saw at this point i guess we'll have to see how that shakes out i read a bunch of articles today about the lakers and how they could even be better next year and I know you're a huge Lakers fan. Better next year than they were this year. And you imagine Anthony Davis will return. LeBron James in his 18th season defies any and all logic as far as his ability to remain as good as he has ever been. Do you think they could be better than they were this year heading into next year? I actually, I actually do. And I think it starts with, with AD coming back, as you alluded to. But I think if you look at the surrounding pieces on LeBron, it wasn't like beside Davis, of course. It wasn't like that impressive. It's not like they had these amazing sharpshooters like Danny Green was okay. I mean, Avery Bradley, remember, he was not in the bubble. He's a key part of that team. But it, it's not like they had these sharpshooters that LeBron obviously loves. And it's not like they had their own Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So if they can get guys like that, and on top of that, because of the ratings and the money and the revenue generated by the league factors into the salary cap, the salary cap's going to be lower than projected. 
so if you have that lower than projected, then if if guys can't go ahead and make a lot of money elsewhere, they might as well just make it in L.A. That's sort of the thought process. So the Lakers could get some veterans chasing that ring, um, whereas they normally, you know, weren't weren't going to get them because of the difference in, in price they could get from somewhere else. Well, if you're looking for a ring, teaming up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis seems like a pretty good way to acquire one. Doug, as always, well, I guess this is the, this is the first time you join us, so it's not as always. We do appreciate the time. Keep up the amazing work on ESPN. been following you for a long time, and it's been a pleasure to have you as part of the show. So thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Very kind words. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry I did not touch on the Raptors, but next time we'll uh, – but yes. I, I'm, I'm afraid their window's closed a little bit, just given oh. the moving parts that you, that you mentioned. All right, I was brother. Hang up on Doug. Just kidding, Doug. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. All right, bud. Take care. All right. That is Doug Kazarian from ESPN. And, yeah, the Raptors, that's a very interesting situation in the NBA. You'll just, we'll have to see how, I mean, we've seen now, brother, how it's played out in the NHL with the salary cap shrinking and so many players getting squeezed as far as their financial futures go. We expected some significant, significant contracts for guys a year ago. And, I mean, Alex Petrangelo would be an example of someone who defied that. But Taylor Hall signed a one-year deal. If you told me a year ago that Taylor Hall would sign a one-year deal, I would not have believed you. And you wonder how the NBA free agent landscape could affect that as well. Before we go, and we just have a couple of minutes left in the program, I want to go to the survivor pool situation from last week. You had the L.A. Rams last week, correct? Yes. Okay, well, congratulations. You moved on, and L.A. just dominated that game. And was Honestly, I felt bad for Alex Smith, who... I mean, listen, I, it's an amazing story. This guy had 18 surgeries on his leg, but, man, 37 yards, getting sacked, getting sacked six times in the pouring rain. It was a little bit painful to watch. The Kansas City Chiefs going down to the Oakland Raiders, or, sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, ah, did it again, was a huge surprise to me. And, and we talked with Don Padula on Friday about KC potentially going 16-0 and and how this was an offensive juggernaut. Not to be, not to be. What is your level of concern, if at all, for the Kansas City Chiefs? I guess more so by their defense than their offense. I don't have any level of concern. I mean, like you said, going 16-0 and is near impossible. Like, there's been one team to go 16-0, and or I guess two teams, technically, to go 16-0. and The odds that the Chiefs were going to be the third were not in their favor. The fact that they lost this one game, uh, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I still see them as the favorites to come out of the AFC and represent that conference in the Super Bowl. Have you dug into the survivor pool look ahead for this coming week? Because ooh, it's a it's a little dicey, man. Like we talked about the Chargers last last night, who performed admirably and perhaps probably should have won that game against the Saints. They are hosting the New York Jets, and I think the only other real option on the board is Miami host. Sorry, I think the Chargers are hosting the Jets. The Dolphins are hosting the Washington Football Team, if I'm not mistaken. So. You know, those are two decent options, I suppose, but I struggle to to make a determination on that one because it's it's a tough, tough slate this week. Yeah, I'm just taking a quick peek right now to see what's what's out there for this week. And if you've used up your big guns, you don't. There's not a lot of teams out here. Maybe the Panthers, if you like what they've been able to do, they're up against the Bears. But I think we had Peter King on, and he said never bet against Nick Foles, so that might not be an option, but I do like what the Panthers are doing, uh, so maybe they could be one. And we'll, we'll do some more digging into it. Maybe we'll bring it up on Friday. We will. So the Colts are eight-point favorites against the Bengals. It's the Ravens as eight-point favorites in Philly against the Eagles, and the pa- 
The Patriots are hosting the Denver Broncos. That could be a good one right there. And it's the Miami Dolphins hosting the New York Jets, excuse me, as eight-and-a-half-point favorites there. So perhaps it's not as dire a situation for survivor pool owners as I may have otherwise thought. Al's brother, I need to thank you. I need to thank Davis Sanchez and John Daigle and Doug Kazarian for joining us this evening on TSN Edge Radio. And we will be back on Friday evening for a jam-packed program. The NFL season is in full swing. And as long as we don't get derailed by coronavirus, which we have slightly to this point. I know Roger Goodell went on record today talking about how a Week 18 is a possibility. Let's hope that we can responsibly and let's just hope everything works out for the NFL because that's a sport we love and we hope it continues. I'm Aaron Karolnik. You've been listening to The Edge.